I'm stalling a little bit here because I've got a slideshow I want to show you and the, the guys are working hard. Um, but we see that in movies, don't we? This fairy tale, we see them up on the screen there, all those ones that, you know, it rode off into the sunset and it was bliss and it's perfect. perfect. How many find out that your looks like that? Next slide. How many of us realise that relationships actually end up looking a little bit like that? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. You see, Shrek and Fiona had that sort of a, that, well, not so much a fairy tale relationship, didn't they? Because Shrek saves Fiona in the end, and they saves her from the terrible fire-breathing dragon. Do you know the movie? It's real cool. But I don't think that Shrek was quite who Fiona had in her her dreamy dreams. So I want to show you a, a little video of, of what that looks like. You did it! You rescued me! You're amazing! You're, you're wonderful! You're... A little unorthodox, I'll admit, but thy deed is great and thine heart is pure. I am eternally in your debt. <coughs> And where would a brave knight be without his noble steed? All right, I hope you heard that. She called me a noble steed. She think I'm a steed? <laughs> the battle is won. You may remove your helmet, good sir knight. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Why not? I, I have helmet hair. Please, I would look upon the face of my rescuer. Oh, no, you wouldn't, Durst. But how will you kiss me? What? <laughs> That wasn't in the job description. Maybe it's a perk. No, it's destiny. Oh, you must know how it goes. A princess locked in a tower and beset by a dragon is rescued by a brave knight. And then they share true love's first kiss. Hmm? With Shrek? You think, wait, 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 you think that Shrek is your true love? Well, yes. What is so funny? Let's just say I'm not your type, okay? Of course you are. You're my rescuer. Now, now remove your helmet. Look, I really don't think this is a good idea. Just take off the helmet. I'm not going to. Take it off. No! Now! Okay, easy. As you command, your highness. Oh, you were expecting Prince Charming. Well, yes, actually. Oh, no, this is all wrong. You're not supposed to be an ogre. <sighs> oh, poor Shrek. Fairytale relationships. What's interesting about that scene is that Fiona had spent her whole life locked up in a tall tower underneath the spell... Fantasying that one, or having this fantasy that one day her knight in shining armor will come and rescue her and give her true love's first kiss. Only to find out that when he takes off his helmet, he's an ogre. <laughs> What's also interesting about that is that Fiona is also wearing a mask. You just don't see it. Later on in the movie, she turns out to also be an ogre. 
interesting little thought. Advice for you young, not married yet. I'm going to have a few of these throughout this message. Don't get married until you've had your first argument. You hear people all the time, oh, we never argue. Well, don't get married. <laughs> until you've seen you, what your potential partner's going to look like under the heat of the moment, the moment when their helmet's removed, you will see an ogre. Don't let it shock you when you go, oh, I didn't know you were like that. Make sure you have a good argument first. Make one up. It's cool. That's just my voice. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But we get stuck into this idea, don't we, that we've got to find Mr. Right and Mrs. Right, and then we get to ride off in the sunset and live happily ever after this dreamy dream. The cool thing about Shani and I is when we first met, we had that fairy tale beginning. I know, it's so beautiful. I got invited out to Lake Harapuni to go... Um, jet skiing with some friends and I get there a little bit late with uh, one of the hosts and there Shani is not and I'd never met her out in the lake around a jet ski having a bit of fun and then it stops in the middle of the lake of Arapuni and I'm sent out there to go rescue her and I can imagine the scene from my perspective like Baywatch running down the beach diving and <laughs> swimming you know all majestically Shani's probably seen it from a completely different angle me running to the water it's freezing you know, like a whale. And we get out there, and that's when we first met, in the middle of Lake Harapuni. On the way out there, I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing? I've never ever been on a jet ski. I don't even know how to start this thing, and I don't even know I could swim this far. But I get out there, and praying that God's going to help me, and we get the thing started, and, and that's how we first met. Yeah. So I want to show you another photo of, of us. <laughs> Yeah, that's us pre-kids. <laughs> that's us pre-marriage. This is at Shani's um, graduation in Diploma of, oh, Diploma of Nursing? Yeah, Bachelor of Nursing. So this is us before we had children. Whew. Cute. Want another little bit of advice, young guys? See that little bone carving around my neck? That's from an ex-girlfriend. Get rid of that stuff real quick. It's just a, that's a freebie. This is the next photo was of us at my graduation from my diploma in ministry. So as you can see, this is probably 12 odd years later and marriage has been quite kind to me. She's fed me quite well. I seem to be going for the old Santa Claus cheeks there. Um, but this is what our marriage quite often looks like. Sometimes I'm the ogre and Shani's all calm and polite. Other times the marriage looks like this one. <laughs> yeah, she's a bit aggressive and I've taken a few hits. My, my ideal and guys' ideals of marriage looks like this. Yeah, but our reality is this. Yeah. That's our reality still. We had, what, two in our room last night. <laughs> but so many marriages and relationships within the church, not our church, obviously, where we rely so much on the other person to be our be-all or end-all, our knight in shining armours, to fill our love deficits, our fill our love tanks, 
to speak to our love languages. We rely so much on our other spouse or other per- person to do what God's supposed to do. God is the one who fills you. You're married to an ogre. <laughs> Not you though, eh? Yet we see we have these expectations in our friendships and our relationships that they're going to complete us. You know, We see that in the movies, oh, you complete me. Oh no, it's God who completes you. You've just got someone to walk with. So this morning we're going to have a quick look at relationships. And Shani and I listened to this really cool message a few weeks ago by Rich and Dawn Cherry Wilkins on a love that lasts. And I recommend you, you get it. And he quotes out of this book called The Like Switch. And a bit of advice that I've been given is that if someone quotes something that you really like, it's your responsibility to go and find that quote and read around it to make sure it's in context and you take ownership of it. So for the very first time in my history, I downloaded a book on Kindle. I know, it's a a milestone called The Like Switch. And it's a book by Jack Schaefer. Now he's been, he's an FBI, an ex-FBI agent. He studied behavioral analysis for 20 plus years. His job was to convert um, enemies of America into friends and into spies on behalf of America. So he would go to ambassadors of other countries who were there to represent the likes of Russia and that sort of stuff, and he would flip them. And he would end up getting them to be spies and feed intel back to America. That was his whole role. So he spent 20 years learning relationships and how to win friends and be friends with people, even your enemies, to win them over. And he speaks of four variables in every relationship. And my desire for us this morning is that um, we have a look at these variables in our relationships, but particularly these variables in relationship to God. The single most important relationship that you have to cultivate is that with God. That is the one relationship that you need to spend cultivating the most. Matthew 6.33 says, But if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be given to you as well. We need to be focusing on seeking him first rather than seeking everything else and leaving the last little bits left over for God. We need to focus on the right variables. Focus on the wrong variables. It's going to get you the wrong result. Rich spoke of in his message when he talked, uh, he gave an illustration, a real brief one about engaged people. People who are prepared to get married, they spend months and sometimes even years planning a wedding. The focus is so much on the wedding day. And yet they may, if they're lucky, spend six one hour sessions in pre marriage counseling, focusing on the rest of their whole life together. Where is the focus? Young people, we've got to focus on the right variables. Wedding days are important, but it's one day out of hundreds and hundreds. We need to be focusing on the right variables. So where are my single people at? Yeah, yeah, put your hand, be proud, put your hand up, look around. (laughs) You never know. This might be your late moment. (laughs) I want to give you some advice. If you want a healthy marriage, be a healthy single. Yeah? Focus on your calling and your race and what God's called you to do. Seek Him first. One thing I tell my kids and others that I have the chance to speak into is that when you focus on your calling and what God has positioned you to do, 
you will look left or you will look right and you will see someone that God has purposed in your life to come alongside you and his timing. And you will look and go, hmm, bit of eye candy. But your focus is always forward and God will bring someone to purpose and timing, not of preference. When Shani and I started uh, courting, dating, I was naughty. Um, God had a very wake-up moment for me in my life because I was also chasing someone of preference, not of someone of purpose. I was satisfying my flesh. And God said to me, one of these has life and one of these has death. Real clear. And I realized that my preference was killing me. Not my preference, that sounds really nasty. But my, because I was chasing the flesh. And God said, no, no, this one's got purpose. This one is so much better than preference. And so Shani, 18 years ago, became the luckiest lady in the world. You don't believe me? Ask her. (laughs) Actually, she did all the chasing, as you could tell. It's a true story. (laughs) But you need to focus on what God's called you to do, young people. I'm still talking to you. Because the Bible tells us that in 2 Corinthians 6.4, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. We as Christians tend to put that in a box to say, well, you're a Christian, you go to church, that box is ticked. Sweet, I can marry you. But what Paul talks about in this writing goes so much deeper than just being unevenly yoked. A yoke is a wooden bar that joins two oxen together. In order to carry the burden or do the work that they are called to do together. An unequally yoked pair of oxen is one stronger and one weaker, one taller, one smaller. And when you put those two combinations together, the weaker or the shorter ox would walk more slowly than the taller or the stronger one, causing the load to go around in circles. When oxen are unequally yoked, they cannot perform the task set before them. Instead of working together, they are at odds with one another. That's what Paul's talking about when he says, don't be unevenly yoked. It might sound harsh, and I don't mind harsh myself, but young people, don't waste your time with someone who's not pulling as hard as you are. Don't waste your time with someone who's not going in the same direction as you are. Don't waste your time getting into a relationship with someone based on your preference or how you feel, but rather than on a person that God has purposed for you. So many people hook up on preferences, like I did, for a while. But what you should prefer is if they can keep up. God is taking you somewhere, and they better be able to pull their load. Young people, make sure that you seek God first. And in his purpose and in his timing, the one that he has created for you will be there to share the load and carry the burden equally and evenly. How many people have thought for so long, I did, that love is a feeling? It's not a feeling. Love is action. Love is doing. Love is a decision that you have to make. If love was a feeling at times in our marriage, Shani wouldn't have received much love. 
if I went on my feelings. But because I chose to focus on my commitment rather than how I felt, we were able to pursue and carry on a, a healthy, strong relationship. Love is never about what you feel, it's about what you do. Because we watch so many movies, the emotion of love will make you think that you have to feel something to stay in love. But because love is not a feeling, it's what you do in spite of how you feel. When you look at the words of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8, it says, What love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. Stick to the scripture. It does not boast, you're next. It's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Where is their feeling in that? Love is doing rather in spite of how you feel. For marriage to work, which marriage is a labor of love, you actually have to work at it. You can have the fairy tale relationship, but you have to design it. You have to create it. You have to cultivate it. You have to intentionally walk yoked together and saying, this is who we're going to be and where we're going to go. It doesn't just happen. Love is not a feeling. Love is action. Anyway. Back to this book, variables. My first word that he comes out with is proximity. So proximity is nearness and space, time or relationship. Proximity is the distance between you and another individual and your exposure to that individual over time. Just being around someone is the start of a relationship. The more time I got to spend with Shani and her proximity, the more comfortable I felt around her. Introverts will know well that sometimes it takes quite a while of someone being in your space before you reach out and make connection. I'm very like that. If you're new, don't be offended that I don't race up and say hello to you because for me, sometimes I need you in my proximity a little bit longer. (laughs) And that's not a bad thing at all. The question I have for you in relationship to God is where is God for you when it comes to proximity? Psalms 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, you are there. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, declares the Lord? Where is God in proximity for you? Because his word says that we have an omnipresent God who is everywhere. You cannot run, you cannot hide, you cannot escape his presence. So do you feel God distant? Are you partnering with a lie that says that God is distant from you? Because proximity, God is always there. The gap comes from you and I and how much we want to seek him. He then goes on in the book to say that proximity plus frequency. So how often do we see that person? 
Think about some of your relationships that you have formed in the workplace and in schools and all that sort of stuff because it's, you're forced into proximity and you're there frequently. All of a sudden you start to go, I actually quite like that person. And a friendship forms based out of those two. Simple proximity and frequency. What is your frequency like when it comes to spending time with God? How often are you putting time aside of your day to cultivate the most important relationship that you have? Frequency. What is your frequency like when it comes to praise over petitions? How many times are you putting your hand out rather than putting your hand up? Well, that was good. (laughs) Frequency. It's not just about the amount of times, but it's what are you doing in those times? How often do we just thank God for just being who he is, lifting him up and praising him? And then goes on to say that proximity plus frequency plus duration that how long do we spend together? How much time now is spent in these frequent encounters? Shani and I, we had proximity and then it was frequency and then the duration started to get a bit longer in Orm Zoom. Because we started to like each other and we started to get familiar and comfortable and, and stuff. But that's what it's about. Proximity plus frequency plus duration. How long are you spending with God? How much time? Do you just devote a quick prayer at the beginning or the end of the day to make sure you tick the box? Or in our proximity and our frequency, are we spending quality time with the most important relationship of all? What does your duration look like? The final word that he puts in there, the four variables, is intensity, focus. So it's proximity plus frequency plus duration plus intensity. How intense is that time you're spending with God? Are you easily distracted? Are you easily taken off focus? Do you take your phone into your quiet time and as soon as a text comes in, you lose focus? So when you have a look at what he calls the friendship formula, have a look at that in and, and, and relationship to how your pursuit in your relationship with, his, with God, the most important. What is your proximity like? What is your frequency like with God and your duration and how intense are you getting with him? we look at this from a a practical relationship level, if we pull it back to marriages and, and friendships and relationships, ask yourself those questions for those who are married. What's your proximity like with your husband and your wife? Are you always off working? Marriages don't tend to last very long or do very well if you're never there. How frequently are you saying, I love you? How frequently are you lifting that person up? What is your frequency like of having quality time together to cultivate the marriage? What is your duration like? 
Either you're spending quality time together or you're home from work, into bed, tired, got to go to work, go around the cycle. What is your duration? Do you actually put in time away for each other? One of these things on its own can make a marriage go cold. What is your intensity like? When was the last time you prayed together? When was the last time you put down your phones, turned the TV off, stopped the Netflix, stopped the gaming, and sat down and had some quality time of just conversing and sharing your hearts and talking about the load that you are pulling together? Where are we going? Because I said at the beginning that to have a fairy tale relationship, it takes work. You can have it, but you've got to cultivate it. Been battling with a, you know, as a value as a church, we need to speak truth, right? Been battling for weeks of how, and if God wanted me to talk about this next subject, um, so I'm asking for grace because I'm a fleshly ogre. <laughs> um, but I need to speak truth, and I think God wants to speak truth more importantly, right? Um, I was in a meeting a few weeks ago and an old friend, an old family friend that was used to be seeing leaders in our church at the time had been through a divorce, had reconciled and God has done great things in his marriage. And he made a statement to me that made my blood boil, I think it was righteous boiling, because we got onto the conversation of, of his divorce and how God had done great things. And he said to me, never say never. To be honest, I wanted to punch him. Yes, I respect the fact that people have divorces and, have, and there are people here that have been on different stages in their relationship, but I really felt that God said to me to say, never means never. We have a younger generation that we need to stand on the truth of God and say never means never. Absolutely. Always watching. Whether you have been through a divorce or not, we should be raising up a generation that says never say never. I mean never means never. Because we want to change the rhythm. We've got to change the dominant rhythm of who we are as a church. Christian marriages are no different statistically than non-Christian marriages in regards to breakup and divorce. Never means never. You can use what you have been through as a tool to help those as we mentor and call them up. And yes, God can restore and rebuild. But I believe God said never means never. And so we need parents to tell a generation that. That when you go into a covenant, it's not a contract. Two becomes one. Let no man break what I put together. And I'm not trying to make anybody who's been on a journey feel guilty or shame. I'm wanting to empower you to call up a new generation. To break a generation of never say never. Rubbish. 
if you focus on the right variables in a relationship, your proximity, your frequency, your duration, your intensity, if you want a fairy tale marriage, never means never. You have to cultivate it, you have to work it. Thank you, God, that went a bit easier than I thought. Right? So, because when we got married, we have always said never means never. I fully can appreciate that some things will come along on a journey that will shake it, but I'm not relying on my feelings of love because love is not a feeling, it's an action. Who do I choose to be in the story? But we are evenly yoked, we're pulling each other together, we're focused. We have a plan, we have a purpose, we have a direction. We're intentional. Never means never. That should be a chant. We could tweak that bad boy. I don't know how to do that, but... Next slide. If I could have the next one. Comparison between Shani and I. If you have a look at the photo on the left, there's a slight gap and it's, it's not like a little awkward or anything, but I just like the photo on the right because there's intimacy, there is a journey, there is life, there is history, there is so much, there is a bond there that is so strong. And we need young people to start with a bond that is strong. I would love for you all to spend some time with one another, husbands, wives, looking at those four key areas and be honest with yourselves. Don't base it on a feeling. Base it on the fact that you're in covenant together and come thick or thin. Never means never. We may need to increase our proximity, our frequency our, and we may need to increase a certain area or do better at that but I want to encourage you to do that and I wanted I felt God wanted this morning to finish off with you praying for each other I believe God's asking for husbands and wives to stand together for five minutes and actually start speaking some some blessing, some life into your relationship. So we're going to do that. Young people, God is asking that you start praying to the one that he has purposed for you. Not your preference, but the one that God's got for you that you may not yet be seeing or you are praying for. God wants you to spend five minutes and lifting them up, praying protection, praying that they will carry an intensity in their journey that matches yours. And so that when your merges and, your, and God's timing and purpose comes apart, then you're evenly yoked. <coughs> People that have been married and no longer are true circumstances, I want you to pray for these young people. I want you to pray for the ones that are marriages. We're all going to spend five minutes in prayer. Because I believe that when you stand together as husbands and wives and young people praying for your future, you can break stuff off. If 
If you haven't done it before, it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but let it be a new beginning as you focus on one another. Yeah? So we're going to get the guys to play a quiet song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So hospitality team. Yeah, that's awesome. If you're on hospitality team, we can wait. No one's going to sneak off. You can find a different place around. And if you need to come to the altar and work on your marriage together and say, God, we surrender it back to you. It's gone cold. It's gone tough. And my feelings are not there, but I, despite of them, I'm going to say never. So gather with your husband and your wife, your single person, gather by yourself. And pray for them. Pray for your future person. Those who are not in relationship, pray for them. Be blessed. Let's go.